0: may he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth may all kings fall down before him all nations serve him welcome back to the dominion podcast this is episode 33 that's a third of a century man we are piling them up so We just got so much so much to say
1: so much hot air
0: <laughs> see it's hot in here that's why i'm not wearing a sweater like alex uh, that, Where, well, that that brings me to introduce us. I'm Jeremy Boyd. You're beta host, and this is uh, Alex Kloosterman. Good to be here. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that
1: sweater. That's really nice. This is a uh, this is a sweater I got when I was I don't know, maybe ten or eleven. My grandma knit it, and yep. uh, yeah, it was way too big then, and now it's slightly too small. So it's <laughs> it's firmly within the Christmas uh, sweater category. <laughs>
0: I guess she had to estimate how big you were going to get.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she actually, she, clearly she thought I'd be huge. So
0: Maybe the more you wear it, the more it'll stretch out. Yeah, that's
1: well. it. Yeah. That's it.
0: Well, we're back and we are excited about tonight's topic. This is uh, definitely a topic that flows from some of our previous topics. We're going to be talking about statism tonight. So before we get into it, I'm going to give a working definition for that, and then Mm -hmm. I'll hand it over to you to Mm -hmm. uh, make a couple comments uh, to start. So I would uh, define statism as the worship of state by the people and the placing of civil government in the seat of God. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, it would also encompass the activities of the state uh, in uh, taking the authority of God and taking the role of God. Yeah. Uh, But uh, what, what comes to mind when I read that?
1: Yeah, I I think that's totally a that's that's accurate. Um when I think about I want to think about this as far as what are the the God-ordained relationships in the world and and uh think of those primarily in a covenantal sense and what that means is we think about the responsibilities that God has given us in the various spheres that we live in um and the various roles that we that we take on whether it be Husband, father, son, uh, employer, you know, king, pastor, all of these different um, roles that we take on have different responsibilities and corresponding authority, and that's just built into the way that God made the world and so statism is not just because we want to focus on some narrow, um, obscure political uh philosophy mm. when we talk about statism, we're talking about what is the what is the individual's relationship to the state and the state right. to the individual, and that's an important question not because we are overly or inordinately concerned with politics, but because as Christians, we are deeply concerned um with the rightful exercise of our responsibilities and authority, that is to right. say, with honoring God and loving our neighbor and loving. God. And as the Dominion podcast, you know, we think that the right rule of God over his creation and the right rule of his image bearers under him over creation is central to how we glorify God, which is to say when we distort authority, um, when we uh, do that by either abdicating our responsibilities or ascribing authority to someone that they don't deserve or responsibilities that are our own, or when we ourselves assume authority right. wrongly, we actually don't honor God and uh, we don't love our neighbor and we actually, we hurt people. Right. We And and this
0: can happen in any area. Any relationship. So, I mean, we're, we're going to be talking specifically about the area of the state yes. and the role of the state tonight, but we as Christians need to be aware that this... Idolatry can happen in any of the spheres yeah, of life.
1: Exactly, and hopefully for people, you know, who want to roll their eyes and just be like, "Oh my goodness, Christians shouldn't get involved with politics." It's no, no, no. This is much, much bigger than that. And uh, hopefully, no. I mean, I doubt many people listen to our show. I think that yeah, they would have they would have tapered off a yes. long time ago. <laughs> but um, I did want to add what we do want to talk about tonight is also Christmas and the end of statism, right? And, uh,
0: you could say the the Christian antidote to yes, statism.
1: Yes. Christmas is the antidote to statism. Right. That's mean, great. If,
0: if you look at history, statism is the, the default. It's the default. Yeah. Right. And we know that because human beings are worshiping creatures. Yes. God made us to worship. Yes. And if we don't worship him, yeah. Right. What does the Bible say? That we will be given over. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you become like what you worship. The mm-hmm. the idols we set up are the things we worship, mm-hmm. and so we're going to worship. Mm-hmm. That, that's not a question. It's what or who are we going to worship? Yeah, we're going to worship mankind, human yeah. power. Are uh, we going to worship, um, uh, you know, human rationality or yeah. human wisdom above the wisdom of God? So that's uh, that's what we're going to start with. I'm gonna I'm gonna read a little bit uh, from a story in the Old Testament that really exemplifies the human urge to. Move in the direction of statism. So, in First uh, Samuel eight, we read the story of the uh, Israelites uh, demanding a king from Samuel. Now, up to this time, they didn't have any central government. There was no, um, there was no, I guess, office of king. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were the judges that would come and sort of guide the guide the people for a short time, mm-hmm. uh, but nothing really official and. Uh, this was the way that God had intended it when he brought them into the land. Mm-hmm. And so now the, uh, the people of Israel are clamoring to become like the people around them. Mm-hmm. And they say, give us a king to Samuel. So here's Samuel's response. And then we'll read the response of the people to Samuel.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and then we'll talk about that. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. He said, these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots. He will take your male servants, your female servants, and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. Mm. He will take the tenth of your flocks, and you shall be his slaves. And in that day you will cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourself. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. I'm just going to pause for a minute. But the language here, I'm sure you could see it, the tenth. He's going to take a tenth of this, a tenth of that. Mm. Well, who were the Israelites supposed to give a tenth to? Yeah, to God. To God, first and foremost. But the king is going to take your first fruits. Mm-hmm. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but there shall be a king over us, that we also may be like the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And uh, same, And when Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey their voice and make them a king Samuel then said to the men of Israel, "Go, every man to his city." Now, what's astounding about the response of the people is that they they're saying they want the king to be in the place of God. Mm-hmm. And the language they use here is, "The king may go out before us and fight our battles." Mm-hmm. Well, who was supposed to do that for the people of Israel? It was it was Yahweh. It was mm-hmm. the God of Israel, and and we read that in Deuteronomy chapter one, verse thirty. Uh, God speaking says, "The Lord your God, who goes before you, will Himself fight for you, just as He did for you in Egypt mm. before your eyes." This was the role of God mm. to go out before and fight for the people. Mm-hmm. As a result, they were supposed to be His covenant people to give Him the tenth, the first fruits. Mm. Uh, you know, the son, uh, the firstborn son, was to be consecrated. All these things, but uh, the people say, "No, we want the king to do all that stuff."
1: Yeah. yeah. So, so when we think about idolatry and sin in any relationship, I use three words that start with A. I just remember them. To wrongfully assume authority, to wrongfully ascribe authority, or to wrongfully abdicate of our responsibilities and authority. And you see all of these things going on with Israel, you know, that they are but they are fundamentally ascribing to a human king that which should only be ascribed to God. That's right. A level of authority, but also the responsibility that Mm -hmm. God said, listen, as as a covenant God, I am committing myself. This is who I am. And the way that I relate to you is I am the God who goes out before you and fights your battles. And they say, no, we want someone else to do that. Mm -hmm. What we see is a constant... Um, and this is a constant danger and temptation this is just the natural proclivity of fallen humanity yeah. uh we happen to have lived in this weird period of history where we experienced something called democracy um where we weren't uh ruled in the way that humanity has always been ruled uh by kings or or you know something approximating that right um so it's it we i think people are naive to the way that authority and power and rule usually functions in the world right and democracy is certainly not the kingdom of god this is, i mean we're we're seeing you can have a totally corrupt nation um who votes in you know guys people who think it's yeah. a right to kill children it doesn't mean that they're right or that it's good but that that's a really good text and we could go back even further to see this is really a part of um, Genesis 1 to 3. That's right. We were created, we say in dominion, to live under and rule over. We were created in the image of God and the likeness of God. We were to you know, live as um, stewards and right. vice regents under his authority, yeah. obeying his word. And he tells us what our responsibilities are, to take dominion. Right and to rule over creation. Yeah,
0: Adam and Eve didn't get to pick their role or to pick their responsibilities. No.
1: and they weren't to make up their authority. Right. But we see in Genesis 3, what's going on at a fundamental level is, who are you going to trust? Did God really say? There's a doubt. And then it's it's, you shall not surely die. And it's, okay, God says this, and you say this, I'm going to go with you, which is really to say, I'm going to go with me. Right, Right? right. And this is where we see at the root of human sin is the the desire for autonomy, which means self-rule. And so there's this inversion of authority, that humanity in its unbelief constantly desires to rule itself. And I want to say importantly, Mm -hmm. this doesn't always look like every single person wants to be the prime minister. But every single person says, I know best. Right. That kind of thing. Um, Every man
0: did what was right in his own eyes.
1: Exactly. It's right. not them saying, we want to be the king. It's saying, no, 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 no. We know that you can't be king. And we know that this is what a king should look like. Well, um, and,
0: and this, go ahead. I just want to take a sidebar. Yeah. That word autonomy gets thrown around a lot yeah. lately, especially among people who are opposed to mandates and lockdowns and that yeah. sort of thing. And I under, I mean, I'm with them on... Uh, say be, bodily autonomy. Yeah, being against those things. But they, yeah, they talk about bodily autonomy. Uh, we need to be careful as Christians. I mean, we should not ascribe autonomy to ourselves for anything. Yeah. I don't believe. I mean, we have uh, freedom and free will, but those are different things. Our our law comes from God, and yeah. our bodies are His—they uh, they belong to Him, and so we need to use them under His law, not yeah. by our own law. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, Just a you, little sidebar there.
1: Yeah, we belong to God. We were purchased at a price. And, That's right. And um, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The logic of Paul is not, you are your own, you are your own ruler, therefore do what you want. It's yeah. a, by virtue of his death and resurrection, Christ has purchased you. You belong to him. And the purpose of your body is worship. And therefore, act accordingly. Um, so in the one sense, when when we say... We affirm bodily autonomy and the right to make medical decisions for oneself. There's a sense in which that's totally true. If what you mean is the individual has ultimate human authority right. over their body, but even that, it's like, well, says who? Yeah. And you need to actually root that in something transcendent. Your
0: conscience needs to be uh, needs to be informed by Scripture, well, and he, by
1: God. And and where does that idea of the individual one? What's the individual? Yeah. Uh, and two, why do you have that right? And why would I not have the right to override that, etc., etc., etc.? All of that is informed by God. Mm-hmm. So everyone has to make some fundamental claim um, to a transcendent source of authority. Uh, you know, otherwise it's just incoherent. So this is the danger of of society and of the proclivity in our hearts over and over again— as we just saw with the Israelites, is to ascribe um, the authority that only God has or to abdicate the responsibilities that he says we have and place them on the state. And Canadian culture has been doing this for a long time. In I was going to say little. They're not little. They are subtle ways. Um, we see this in education. Most, sorry, I think many Christians don't realize that they're. If you were to say, "Do you know your child has a state education?" They would be like, "What? You know, like, no, they don't. They go to public school." Yeah. We say public. It's like, okay, well, who runs the, the school?
0: Who is making the curriculum? It's not the public.
1: Yeah. So we use this word "public" to kind of, I mean, hopefully, originally it meant something like, well, hopefully, the public is weighing on this. We're a democracy. But really, public things are government-run things. Right. The person with the responsibility and the authority in that institution, public institutions, is the state. And so um, Christians have had to do a lot of thinking in the last couple decades about, well, wait a second. Whose responsibility is education and what authority do we have? We live in a world now where, I mean, I was talking to a pastor today, and he said, it's actually crazy that even if you believed this harmful, wacko gender ideology that led to the mutilation of children. I mean, that's evil enough, but it's like, say you got roped into that under a false sense of compassion or whatever. It is insane that people are comfortable with the claim of the state that they don't even need to have parental consent for these things. Yeah, it's bonkers. It's like, okay... Cool, you're in that you believe that ideology, you mean you're fine with your child talking to a counselor, potentially getting recommended to a procedure or having an abortion without your knowledge? Yeah, that's a total abdication of your responsibility to protect and to provide, Mm -hmm. and it's the assumption on their part of a role that God has given you, right? So, this is what we mean by statism, we don't mean stormtroopers, we don't mean you know, Nazis with guns. It we, can it can take that form. It but can. in
0: our context, it's not taking that
1: no, form. No, it's it's wherever you abdicate uh, what God has told you to do to the state, and wherever they take it um, from you.
0: And whenever they attempt to fulfill the role of God.
1: Yeah. Right. And so one of the big issues we're having to face, we need to have a... And so the reason I'll wrap that up about Christians, why this is a big deal, is... The connection to worship. You know, if there is no God above government, government is God, yes. which is to say that they are the ones receiving our worship. When people hear worship, they might think, I don't bow down. I don't give incense like you did to Caesar. Um, I I pay my taxes and, and that's it. But worship is more broadly understood in Scripture. Um, and, and the evidence of what you worship is like, okay, well, what do you give allegiance to? Who is the ultimate authority in your life, for example? So to whoever has ultimate authority, that is your God. And so the reason we talk about this is because we are concerned with the pure worship of the Church. That's right. That's what it is. Not because we care, give a rip about politics, as most people understand it, but we do care about the pure worship of the Church and the undivided devotion that the people of Jesus have to him, is right. the, the, the ruler of the kings of the earth. Right. So this is all about worship. This isn't just about, this isn't some political philosophy. And what we'll see reading some texts is the whole point of the story of Scripture is that though we had rejected God and his reign and his kingdom and sought to build our own, he sent his son, the king of kings, to restore that mm. and to restore creation through the restoration of his rightful rule. That's it. And Christmas is central to that. Um, It's a central part of that story.
0: Oh, that's great. And uh, this is why any solution that people propose that doesn't involve making Jesus Lord, of all things, is going to fail. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm all for uh, political activism uh, in its right place. Yeah. But we need to understand that unless... Jesus is Lord. Yeah, that any solution is going to fail.
1: Yeah, we need we need revival. What yeah. we need is we need revival. We right. need people converted, uh, and, and when you are converted, what that means is that you are giving up your autonomy. You are giving up your desire to rule and to reign, and you are submitting yourself to Jesus Christ, who is Lord. And we talk about this all, this all the time, but the earliest confession of the church is that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that was directly subversive against the emperor cult mm. that claimed that Caesar is Lord. Right. And the persecution of the early church was for sedition. So, So yeah. people who are critical of Christians getting involved, it's like, well, the early church, everyone around them knew that they weren't on board with Caesar being Lord, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, why is that all of a sudden the sin?
0: Yeah, and they didn't, they didn't necessarily even have to push the point that much. All they had to do was say, there's another king named Jesus. Yeah. Right? That was enough yeah. for them to get their heads chopped off yeah. and be crucified. Yeah. And so this—you uh, know, this tendency in evangelicalism right now to say, well, we just need to not get involved with politics— I saw a tweet from a very popular guy yesterday saying, When you mix religion and politics, you get politics, basically saying that um the like the religion part dies out yeah uh, but but his whole point is trying he's trying to cow people into saying to staying out of politics, yeah right but we we can't help but get involved with politics when you say Jesus is Lord."
1: Yeah, and you, you. There's no such thing as politics that aren't religious as well. That's right. So it's like
0: So even not making a decision and saying, you know what, I'm just not going to get involved. That's a political decision. It's a political decision. You're, you're handing over power to somebody
1: else that is fundamentally religious. Right. So it's it's just it's not helpful. There's a surface truth of look. If I started flying the Canadian flag and singing the national anthem, and bringing up candidates to preach yeah. in church, I mean that, <laughs> that's a problem. That's a problem. That's that's definitely a problem. Um but but to draw dichotomies and separations. So practically why this has kind of exploded, we've had this problem brewing in Canada for a long time. And it's more what the Israelites said. Uh, people people in Canada were like, We don't have a king. We don't have a we don't have a dictator. Well we do have a dictator. Um yeah. and, and a we don't, we've got a couple. <laughs> got a couple of them. But but even in normal times, um, we've definitely been ascribing Yes. authority and responsibility to the state, which isn't theirs. Mm-hmm. And we've definitely been abdicating uh responsibilities, that are ours for a yeah, long time. Yeah,
0: even even with the uh, um example you used of education. Yeah. Right. That's a great example. Yeah. It's just not their job.
1: No. So think about it. this is the pressing one, public health. Yes. So there's two really dangerous ideas that float around now. One, public health, um what 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 are the I wrote these two down. Uh, Public health refers to virtually all domains of human existence. Right. So before this, before the pandemic, our former, uh, whatever the top person here is called, um, I saw her name or Rebecca saw her name on the the little kind of stamp of approval in a church basement in the kitchen. You know, they go around and I don't know whether she was like wiping for salmonella or checking things out. That's kind of what they did. I don't think... In my life, i had uh, I had actually like um, heard or known or experienced had any interactions whatsoever with public health like they were very narrowly um, at least it felt like they were very narrowly defined or at least their their participation, and their authority was narrowly defined. but <laughs> right now. Public health refers to basically every domain of human existence. Right. And, uh,
0: it's, and it's, you can see where they're going with it too, with the climate change stuff. Yeah. But even, even before COVID, during all, all the rioting and whatnot that was happening, uh, you know, two years ago in the States, where they're talking about, well, we need to take this statue down because it's a public health crisis. Yeah. People get offended and they get like, you know, they get their feeling hurt when they look at it. Yeah. So we need to take it down. And this is yeah. actually a public health issue. Yeah. So we can see they're pushing that into the corners because they've they know now that they found a way to make people cower. Yeah. Right. If you say it's about health, people just acquiesce to that.
1: So they can make everything public health, and there's a sense in which that's actually true. And the reason the play works is because you can't compartmentalize life. There is a way that all of your actions or inactions have some impact. On right. public health and well-being. That, that's actually true.
0: And it's exposed the fact that we've been living with these assumptions long before COVID hit. Oh, yeah. And so now, it just makes sense. now the people in power are just saying, well, we've got these assumptions. Let's push it out.
1: So let's take number one proposition. Public health basically includes all every domain of human existence. And proposition two, public health is the sole responsibility, or I would say ultimate responsibility, and ultimate authority of the state. Whoa. What you put those two together and yeah. you have totalitarianism by yeah. definition. It is the state that has responsibility ultimate and ultimate authority over every domain of human existence. There's no
0: domain where they wouldn't be able to push that out into. Yes. What's your what's what's your diet? What do you guys eat in your house?
1: Well, this happened in Romania. We were just listening to the Christmas miracle in Romania, an amazing story. Is this a movie? No, it's a it's 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 a historical event about the fall of communism in Romania. Right. right. Um, and it's about a Baptist pastor who stood up and kind of uh there's there was this revival and this peaceful revolt and much suffering a thousand people were shot in one day and intent but in ten day period basically the the regime fell wow and it's an amazing check it out just Google it read about the story so what what do people look for so the, Roma- the um christmas Romanian Christmas. Miracle? Miracle, okay, and a bunch of people in prison were praying, and on Christmas Day it was all propaganda. All the loudspeakers, 20, like twenty four seven, and on Christmas Day, you know, after decades, all of a sudden it stops, and it was like eerily silent. Like, what the? And all of a sudden they started hearing Luke two being read. Wow, amazing! So go check it out. But what's incredible, and many people recognize this, um, public safety and well being. Has been the justification of so much evil and the the um, a power grab by people since forever. Even in the Israel Israelites, why did they want to give that guy authority? He'll keep us safe.
0: Yeah, he'll go out and fight he'll our go battles up, for us.
1: So the, the the proclivity towards statism is often built on fear, and and, yes. and,
0: and real human need. And like your previous point about. Um, abdicating responsibility yeah a lot of it is we just don't want to do it yeah so take the education thing parents don't want to do it yeah let's let somebody else do it yeah health whatever i just want to be able to do whatever and go to the hospital when i get hurt yeah worry about it yeah um as if there's there's no other options for for care but uh it's it's all just an abdication of public uh responsibility like um Unemployment benefits. I mean, like, there's so many areas of our of our culture where it's like, well, I'll just let them deal
1: with that. Well, even the way we talk about it. Like today, we were at the dentist. Beck was at the dentist with the girls, and we actually, um, you know, get some help paying for that. Right. And the 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 lady there, sweet lady, I think said something like, "Oh, like you should get this kind of thing." And Beck's like, "Well, why should me?" And it's kind of like, "Well." It's not, it doesn't mean anything to them. Like it's just numbers on the line. It's like, well, no, there's no such thing as government money. Yeah. It comes from somewhere. Like it's actually talking about them in godlike ways as if they are right. um, omnipotent, as if they are the <clears throat> ones that generate money. Yeah. And the only reason I don't have it is if you don't give it to me. That's right. But what if, no, 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 no. That's describing you sound like, you sound like de- Michael Moore there. It's like you're deifying. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're deifying the government yeah. as, as if they're capable of doing things they're only just God sitting, can. They're
0: just sitting on a hoard of gold.
1: That they can keep manufacturing. Yeah. But it's like, no, no, it comes from you that it's your responsibility yeah. to make and then we should come together and say, as it, take our responsibility democratically and say, how would we like this to be used? If we want to say to help provide for healthcare, that's great. But it's, but politicians say we do this for you and we say they do this for us. And it's like, no, that's just not yeah. true. So we
0: see this in the way people even talk about uh healthcare and education. They say yeah. it's we have free healthcare. We yeah. have free. No, it's not free. Yeah, but exactly. You do, you don't understand how it works. Yeah. Uh, you don't get a bill for it specifically, yeah. but you get a bill for it every time you uh you pay, you know, you get your pay stub and there's 40% missing. Yes. Right? Um <laughs> you ever see that video on the internet of the kid Gets in the back of the car. He's got. He just got his first paycheck from his first job. It was, it's like a viral video. No, on I it. haven't seen and it. So the parents taping, taping it, and he's all like so excited. First paycheck. He's probably done the math in his head. Well, I make this much an hour. I worked this many hours. He's expecting this chunk of cash. Opens the envelope and he's just looking at it, and his he's just crestfallen. And he's like, throws it down. The parents start laughing at him. And <laughs> it's like welcome to. Stateism. <laughs> yes. That's amazing.
1: Also, I think it's the second time we used the word crestfallen, and it's a great word. It is a good word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how does this how does this tie into Christmas? I mean, at this point we That's should right. be we should be saying, yeah.
0: We gotta turn the corner here. It
1: it's not actually good to ascribe to the state that which belongs to God or to abdicate my responsibilities to them. That doesn't honor God. And in the end, it doesn't help people. Right. Um so so how are we to think of this, and what's the connection to Christmas? Well, the summary is, uh, you know, creation, if we go creation, fall, redemption, and creation, we were created to live under the reign of God and to rule over Christ, uh, creation in his name, extending his rule, reflecting his rule um, to creation, and we failed. We decided we wanted to rule, we wanted to reign, and that led to human misery. I mean, the Book of Judges, everyone did what was right. Here, go ahead. Yeah. Book of Judges is yeah. like a gross it's hard to read. Oh, it is. It it's like makes you want to vomit kind of book. But it's it's, meant it's to...
0: almost like reading current events though. When you're reading it, like this is just like the craziness we're seeing now. Yeah. This is this is a, a society in chaos. Doing what it
1: wants. Yeah. Raining. Lawlessness. Yeah. Lawlessness. Lawlessness yeah. while it thinks it's raining. And then the purpose of the Messiah, God's promise was always, we see this build through scripture to Bless the nations um through his people and to redeem his people and to crush the head of the serpent. Mm. And the way he was gonna do that was reestablishing his rule. This is the theme of dominion and kingdom through scripture. And if we miss that, we just miss everything. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read some maybe uh popular Christmas text in Luke yeah. and just point out some of these things. So Luke 130 um, the Angel of Mary, the Angel, said to her, "Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your room and bear a son, you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his mm. father david so the 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 Jesus Christ is the promised Messiah, which is the anointed one, which is the king that was promised and he will reign over the house of jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end of And course pick- and
0: that's a quote from uh, isaiah 9 right? isaiah
1: 9 and daniel talks about this right, in right. daniel seven fourteen. and to him it was given dominion and glory in a kingdom that all peoples nations and languages should serve him his dominions is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So all of a sudden this angel shows up to Mary and we, we miss this, you know, in our little triteness. It's like when Jesus came, the one who was promised to come and rule the entire world and to overcome the rule of all tyrants and dictators, which we which we all are in our hearts and we love, and we end up following and, and becoming, um, was going to be born to her. That's that's what's going to happen. And his kingdom is actually going to never end. Um, we see that continuing on in Luke, that he is a Messiah. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. What is the gospel? What is the good news? Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, the Messiah, the Lord. So the good news of Christmas has everything to do with the authority of Jesus Christ as a king. has everything to do with that Mm -hmm. and his dominion over the earth. Um, It says in Revelation 1.5 that he is the ruler of the kings on the earth. It says in Ephesians that... um, that God worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him head over all what, things to the what church. What did he put under his feet? All things. All things. Um, And so often we think that we treat the kingdom of God as if the, the reign of God came. I mean, Jesus first... Words Is a Mark? Is a repent for the kingdom of God is at hand? Yeah. Like, there is a sense in which we await the full coming of the kingdom. I'll read this. But there is a sense in which with the king, Jesus Christ, um, his kingdom has come. That is the exercise of his reign over his people um, in his place, right? God's reign over his people in his place. So... Whatever else is going on at Christmas, uh, we need to understand that it is the reorienting of the world around the rightful reign of Jesus.
0: Right, it's the beginning of the redemption part of the story. Yes, in in essence, I mean, yes, God's been working for, towards the redemption all yes. through the Old Testament, but this is where uh, we kind of crest, yes, uh, that hit the apex, and now we're at the redemption. Part, yeah, right?
1: so it's like, well, why do you, Why do you? What does this have to do with our? government system and and the claims of our state and our politicians and our authorities, well, it has everything to do with it. Because Jesus came and the Bible tells us that he is actually over them. Mm. And it it says that we ought to ascribe worship to him accordingly. And when we actually abdicate of the responsibilities he's given us, and when we ascribe authority that only he has to others, we actually are worshipping them and not him which is why this is ultimately a Jesus issue. Right. Like who is Jesus? You know, what does he require of us? Mm. How ought we to worship him? And you need to when you have a state that is God, you have a savior who is not. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh I mean even for me these things are just I'm learning more. Um 1 Corinthians 15:25 He must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Currently, he reigns. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. So God, Christ is reigning. God has put everything under him, and the last enemy in this war will be death, where death will be destroyed. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he has accepted who put all things in subjection under him. So... um, a lot of Christians think what happened was Jesus showed up, his kingdom came, and then it left. And then one day it's coming again.
0: Is a parenthesis. Yes.
1: Right. Is but not even a parenthesis. Yes, it's a parenthesis. Um and in between it's like we just reverted to the way it was before he came, right? Where rule and authority and dominion are are dist- are we're to allow those things to be distorted. Right, Or that's a separate issue from worship. Or that's just politics. Or that doesn't have anything to do with the mission of the church whatsoever. It's like, no, the the mission of the church is the worship of God. Hmm. And we do that through Jesus Christ, who is currently the king of the rulers of the earth, and he is over them. And he calls them to repent. Uh, The Great Commission implies this. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Yes. Our missions and evangelism are rooted in the fact that he's been given authority. Right. So you cannot, you, we have to get this authority thing right. And one of the great enemies to the church right now is the false gospel of statism. Right. It is a false gospel.
0: Can we take a little side trip in Please. Romans 13 here? Let's let's I mean, do it. Um, Everybody's new life verse, yeah. right? Yeah. But we see this even, even here, and I want to, I want to tie this into worship, right? yeah. Because everybody is quoting this; both sides of the argument are quoting this to justify how they are, how they are exercising their worship, yeah, um, or as we would say, are abdicating their worship, mm-hmm. right? But in verse uh, four, speaking of the, speaking of the authority, it says, "For he is God's servant for your good." Mm. Whatever else you take from this passage, it is clear that the kings of the world, the the premiers, the chancellors, the presidents and prime ministers, are servants of Almighty God. Yeah. Right? So whatever else we take from it, they ought to be doing God's will as his servants. And it actually uses the word deacon in, in Greek. This yes. This is the, the, the word we would use for the deacons in the church. And so they do not have the authority or the right to go beyond their bounds and mm. regulate worship, yeah. for instance.
1: Or to, they don't have the right to define themselves. Like you can't quote right. Romans 13 and then say simultaneously, but they're not believers and they don't believe this verse, and they can say that they are whatever they want. Yeah. It doesn't work both ways. So we are subject <clears throat> to them as God defines them. And this is true of any relationship. Right. We need to get this. You can't as a husband... Pick the verse about your wife being submissive to you and then redefine your responsibilities as I can do and ask and say anything I want and then jump to the Bible and say, and it says you have to obey me.
0: And an elder or a pastor of a church can't define their own role either. No. So we would say the same thing there.
1: Yeah, we would submit to you in as much as you are functioning within the way that God defines your role. And we would see that with parents and children. We see that with spouses. We see that with church, with every relationship. But you know that you are moving towards statism, if not fully embracing it, when you apply a different standard, a relational standard to the state, hmm. right? It's like, whoa, why are they not subject to all of the other um, biblical <clears> principles you apply to every other relationship? And it's like, right. well, because you're statists. Right. You, are, you are thinking of the state in a wrong way. Um, and and I think. I think many, if not most, many if not most Canadians definitely think that way, and I I think many if not most Christians think that way. Yes, the generalization, but I haven't seen much evidence otherwise.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you look at the amount of churches that are actually continuing to worship in the way they did before, yeah, it's very very small. Yeah, like I I you know, I don't have a count or anything, but yeah uh, i'd be surprised if 5% of the churches yeah uh, were standing up against this this tyranny
1: yeah and there could be other reasons for that too but it's a lot of people apply a standard to the state that they don't apply to other relationships right and that's that's a problem
0: so i anyway i took us off a little bit there i don't want to i don't want to talk too much about that but let's get back to christmas how christmas and Christ's christmas advent baby. is the um Antidote. Yes. The antidote for statism, right? Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, And yeah, maybe we'll just close and and just thinking and reflecting on that. Um, What a joy and what a privilege as Christians it is to live in light of the fact that the King has come. Mm. And to maybe this Christmas be thinking... um, more about the fact that Jesus has come to claim dominion. And uh, when he died and rose and ascended, he was given dominion, Mm -hmm. and all things were subjected. And our worship of him ought to reflect um, his identity as the king. That doesn't mean that he does away with all Form of rule in the world at all? We've talked about that mm. sphere authority. That yes, Romans thirteen, the government is God's servant, and and so I may reject their idolatrous uh, claims in a particular area of my life, like governing the worship of the church, or who uh, I can
0: have over for Christmas, dinner. or authority over my yeah
1: authority <laughs> over my children. Yeah, uh, I I still pay my taxes. I drive the speed limit. If I committed a criminal offense, I would, you know, I I would. Well, if I committed a offense, I don't know yeah. what I would do because I can't imagine. But
0: depends on what the, what the sh- crime is. <laughs> I should
1: be, yeah. Well, January sixteenth, I'm going to preach an illegal sermon. I'm yeah. telling you that much. But you know, I am subject to the law, and so where they have a meaningful, legitimate authority, I should say, we are to be subject to that, as subject to God. Mm-hmm. It's a part of our worship, just as we ought to relate to our children as parents in the way Scripture says, as part of our worship. And we ought to relate to our spouses as Scripture commands, as a a reflection of our worship. All of it is worship. Um, But when we start relating to the state in a way uh, that that is abdicating our responsibilities or assuming or ascribing authority to them they don't have, that's a problem. And I see the biggest problem with this is public health. I mean, the speech laws actually include language of public safety. In oh, of harm. course,
0: because they know that that's effective.
1: Yeah, so what you right. say is now part of yeah. the state's jurisdiction. Right. And we're going to see climate change the same thing. We're going to—I mean, it already is, but yeah. we're going to see this be a really big thing. And so, again, this is, this is not some narrow partisan politics thing. No. This is about the identity of Jesus and what it means to follow him.
0: Yeah. They've found their their golden elixir yeah. to to solve every problem now. And uh, I love that old saying, uh, uh, for a man with a hammer, every problem is a nail. Yeah. Well, now they've got a hammer that uh, they're just going to use on all their problems, and yeah. it's the same one, right?
1: Yeah. And Christians need to say respectfully, but, but uh, with conviction, um, where the state oversteps, just as if a man overstepped into my home, with my kids, where the state oversteps, you, you just say no. Yep. Right. You just say that doesn't belong to you, that belongs to God, or that belongs to my neighbor, and uh, you know we 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 worship we worship Christ.
0: Hmm. I was thinking today uh, as I was reading or listening to my uh, scripture for the for the day. Mm. I'm in uh, Chronicles, so it's a lot of the stories of the kings and most of them wicked and not so good. I was thinking about what it would have been like to have been one of the saints back then. Yeah, right. You're living under, say, um, you know, Ahab or something like that, and you're just in a horrible, horrible spot. The whole nation is in a is in idolatry. You know, you know the promises about Messiah and uh, about um, redemption and all that stuff, but you don't know how it's going to play out. And what it would have been like for them to live in that time, and it just made me so thankful and you mentioned this like we live in a post advent time mm. now. So man, what a blessing for us. Yeah. We've we've seen uh we've seen the, the kingdoms of this earth yeah. be put under Jesus feet. Yes. We're we're living after that. And so we can look back and 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 uh learn so much um from the Old Testament saints and and just
1: uh
0: man, how thankful we should be every day that yeah. that we are where we are and when we are.
1: And this, this also is about love for our neighbor and justice. I mean this kind of pious indifference and compartmentalization is kind of hypocritical as you enjoy the privilege of the rule of law. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I wonder mm-hmm. if this would be the case if the military showed up um, you know, to every Christian's house and started dragging away all the women because for whatever reason. Right? Like, like what... How would, how would Romans thirteen apply at that point? Yeah. So it's it's easy to say, you know, well, it's okay. We'll do what they say. There's no real harm when you can't see the harm. Right. There's been enormous harm. People are just ignoring it. But uh,
0: the devil's too smart for that at this point. Yeah. Right. He he knows that if he pushes too hard, that people would get wise. Yeah. But because it's such a subtle attack, uh, I sent you a, a meme this week of. Uh, uh, two pictures. One of them was a bunch of guys holding guns, like yep. you know. And then the other one was a family around a Christmas table eating yeah. Christmas dinner. And it said, "What you thought the revolution would look like, yeah. What the revolution actually looks like, yeah. Like we're not gonna, it's not gonna be thugs in the streets with guns, um, taking over a coup or something, yeah. We're seeing it right now, and it's happening in a more subtle way, yeah. And to be faithful uh, to celebrate Christmas is actually a revolutionary act at this point,
1: yeah." When Scripture says, practice hospitality, and it says, welcome the outsider, are those commands or not commands? Right. And at what point are you um, permitted to abdicate those responsibilities? If the state tells you that you're not allowed to welcome outsiders in your home, you're not allowed to practice hospitality as, as Jesus commands you, uh, could there be a legitimate reason for that? Well, you can make a case for the state having authority to quarantine the sick, that's one thing, or to to... Be involved in that. That's one thing. Uh, the healthy, no. Yeah. Um, so, and also it's like, is there no more responsibility on any of us to make decisions in our life regarding risk? If you are not allowed to make any decisions regarding risk, and that's the state's decision, there's no such thing as individual responsibility, right? Yeah. So it's like, no, no, I can decide the risk of meeting together with people over something as fundamental as a meal. People think it's not a big deal, but it's actually a huge deal. It's not a big deal in that, sure, give up a dinner. But it's saying, like, someone other than me has the responsibility and the authority to make decisions about the risk of eating with people. Yeah. That's a very dangerous idea.
0: Or even um, making decisions about how I'm to love my
1: family. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right, because those are loving acts. Yeah. Cooking and hospitality and and just being together.
1: Yeah. And it's we've talked before, it's not actually a sin to get sick. Mm. And nowhere in the Bible are we to take the responsibility to never, ever, ever let anyone get sick. If we are sick, we quarantine. And no, you can't make the argument, well, you don't know if you are sick. Well, then... You can't live human Man. life if you can yeah. never know you're sick. That's
0: that's the end of human culture and yeah. civilization. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> there are risks that are permitted and required in order to live a life. And and everyone makes those. We talked about this. People drive cars. Yeah. You know, when y'all start stop driving cars and you you build a bunker and you stay in there, I'll start listening to you. But until then, you're just a hypocrite because you are taking risks with other people's lives every single day. And that's fine. Um so anyways, this Christmas, we need to rejoice. Amen. This is our, the, our worship of Jesus the King, our understanding of how we ought to love our neighbor and love him in this world, of the reordering of the universe around him, but also the uh, delegation of authority to the right spheres and the responsibilities that he defines as we live according to his word that way. That is how we worship. That is how we glorify him. Mm -hmm. So enjoy Christmas. If you feel compelled, fill up your table um, and rejoice. The king has come.
0: Amen. Has he ever. I'm going to leave us with this from uh, Revelation chapter 11. I almost said Revelations chapter 11.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We already got some uh, angry hate mail for that one.
0: The book of Revelation chapter 11, verse 15 and on. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there was a loud and there were loud voices in heaven saying The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ come on and he shall reign forever and ever and the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God saying We give thanks to you Lord God almighty who was and who who is and who was for you have taken your great power and begun to reign The nations raged But your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. We'll see you next time on the Dominion Podcast.